back to the Venturi Stories. In this episode, we'll pick up our conversation with Prerit Gurg, Chief Product Officer and EVP Engineering at Smartsheet. In the last episode, we ended our conversation with Prerit sharing the learnings and the humbling experience through launching his first entrepreneurial gig at Simform after having had a 12 years of fairly successful stint at Microsoft. So let's dive right back in and pick up the conversation right where we left it off. It's, you know, I, I have to say this up front. I think Gaurav and I share this at the same level is that we've gone through exactly the same kind of, we've done dozens and dozens of these briefings and, uh, and had a reaction just the same way that you've kind of pointed out. And we've been entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs ourselves, and we face the same kind of challenges. And we, when you get outside the bubble and you realize that there's a world outside and, you know, when you deal with belts and suspenders or you deal with customers who are, have real life problems you go solve for, we can totally relate to that. And that's just a case study in itself. So we'll come back to you on that one and, and make a case just to figure out how people can, can make that uh, work itself. But, you know, shifting gears, let's go to the hype cycle. Hype cycle today <laughs> is generative AI, you know, and uh, you, uh, you shared your views on this, uh, how enterprises can keep generative AI innovation customer focused, right? And, uh, you know, I just want to tease on that and just uh, walk ourselves into it saying, we believe in customer centricity. I mean, that's fundamental to almost every company which is out there. Uh, but perhaps you can share your summary views on, on how you made this happen, uh, whether you know, prior in your career or present day. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, generative AI, um, I equate generative AI kind of uh, evolu- um, evolution in technology to uh, internet in the early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. When um, internet hit the PCs, and for, you know, personal yeah. computers, and like it was a massive sort of transformation that that was sort of we were embarking on. All right, like you and I and and Garo, like we were very early in our careers, and I sort of sort of say that um, as also as immigrants to the country, um, I think we our opportunities of maximizing the potential at that point was somewhat limited. We couldn't, um, and we sort of joined companies. I I very much credit my career. Uh, to that transformation for and, and being part of that transformation. Generative AI is that that, that class of uh, transformation, right? Like a lot of transformations have happened since then, right? Cloud has come about and people even sort of thought of crypto as, I never believed in the crypto, I'm a secure ex-security guy. So, so I, I was never really a fan of, um, uh, of crypto, um, especially sort of decentralized currencies. I don't believe decentralized currencies succeed. Um, but generative AI is a, a whole another thing. And the reason I kind of wrote, wrote about customer focus in the context of generative AI is like a lot of people will sort of look at the technology and say they want to they attach themselves to the technology. A lot of startups get created that way. A lot of engineers start working that. One of my, actually, one of my leaders refers to it as resume driven development where engineers <laughs> like that it's like <laughs> they, they use whatever new tech comes out and they want to use it um, because they can put it on their resume um, yeah <laughs> uh, i think i think it, uh, for for you to actually have real material impact uh, you have to think differently right um, uh, there's definitely marketing value to att- attaching to whatever the the new tech that has come about 
but it doesn't create that outsized return uh, that uh, that that the tech may actually have potential to create, right? Um, a much harder thing to do is to look at you know what customers are already telling you what their pain is, right? What you need to go solve for, and and then ask the question: Can I actually use this technology uh, to have a transformative impact on the pain that customer is already identified for you that they are willing to pay for, right? That they, um, and so so that's why I kind of wrote that article is like. Uh, continue to focus on that customer pain and look at this tech more as can it actually, how can it actually accelerate you in serving your customers better, right? Um, you know, chat GPT and co-pilots are showing what's possible with that tech, but just copying them is not going to um, get you the ROI. Uh, you have to serve your customers better with the tech. That's when it's really the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is, uh, yeah, this is actually fascinating. You kind of already touched upon this. Uh, uh, however, uh, uh, being technologists ourselves, uh, we all tend to get caught in the technology hype. And as you said, resume-driven development. We kind of owe our careers to being part of that hype, uh, as you touched upon. Uh, uh, however, uh, outside of this generative AI phenomena right now, and currently you are the chief product and technology officer. So... Uh, you are kind of a technologist as well as okay, you're driving the product direction. Uh, so, how do you strike this balance uh, in your current role? Because we believe, uh, eventually, as you rightfully pointed out, that being extremely user or customer centric in your views is how you deliver great products, how you wow your customers. Uh, so, how do you strike that balance being the yeah. chief product and technology officer? <laughs> yeah, actually, funnily enough, I get this question asked. So, how do you how do you be? So, my exact title actually is Chief Product Officer and EVP of Engineering, right? Okay. And so, I sometimes do get this question asked. So, so how do you balance um, <laughs> EPO and the EVP of Engineering? <laughs> um, and so, it's actually kind of interesting. So, over the years, uh, I've come to realize that you know. I'm actually not very easily excited by tech. Um, yeah, even though I'm, I'm, I'm deeply a technologist, right? Like um, that's, that's all I know really what to do with life in my, my life. <laughs> but but um, tech doesn't just, you know, it, um, as Mark would call it, it doesn't sort of get uh, my, um, you, know, uh, you know, blood pressure going, <laughs> if you will. Um, um, what actually gets me more motivated uh, is, figuring out the how to create human impact and and to the extent that technology makes that possible being a technology you know, being a technologist sort of gives me a purpose in life right um yeah and there's a little story about why smartsheet in that context as well right? it gives me a purpose in life right so i think this this grounding in that human impact uh, keeps me balanced it sort of keeps me focused on ultimately technology is here to serve human beings. We've sort of created this thing to serve humans and um, uh, to be to to get better quality of life, to serve them better um, in whatever they are doing, right? Um, you know, but at the same time, I I love surrounding myself with tech enthusiasts and listen to them. So if you look at my le my leadership team, um, you know, uh, my uh, chief. Um, my, my SVP of product, he is like he's like a gung ho technologist. He love like he 
he has a 3D printing lab and he builds <laughs> uh, these models <laughs> with 3D printing um, uh, on one end of the spectrum, right? So um, I have um, another sort of VP of engineering. He is uh, some, one of the smartest technical person I've known in my entire career. So, so you know, you surround yourself with technologists. Um, and, and so uh, for me, it allows me to not have a tech blind spot because as I said, right? Like we succeed as a team. So you surround yourself with uh, other people and balance each other out. I'm much more focused on impact and how is it going to help our customers. And my team sort of brings all these ideas of, hey, here's how we could apply this tech or here's a new piece of tech that's come out. Uh, so these checks and balances amongst my team help us maintain that balance. I'll be the first one to acknowledge that uh, I don't maintain that balance just by myself. I maintain that balance because I uh, have a team, right? Uh, I feel very fortunate to have a team that uh, makes, us, uh, makes us that balanced team. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, this played out very effectively when we migrated Smartsheet from the data center to the cloud a few years ago. Again, I was the one who kept saying, well, why do we move into the cloud map? Even though I came from AWS, right? And had built a lot of the cloud capability, I came to Smartsheet and it was in the data center. And my first question was, what, what is the thing that uh, moving to the cloud gets for our customers? Why are we solving that problem? And, and that sort of separated the technology for the sake of technology, but really grounding it in what, why it mattered for the customers. And the same thing happened with Gen AI. Uh, earlier this year, when, you know, or November last year, when ChatGPT uh, came out, I think 3.0. And so, and, you know, we had already put our plan for serving our uh, customers for the biggest things they were talking about. So I pushed my team to identify the specific things within the context of our roadmap that Gen AI could actually help accelerate and create an outside um, impact on our customers. So, so it's the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Prerith, I, you know, I was just taking notes while you were talking, and, and there's something really, you know, I would say a light bulb moment for me in terms of what you just said. Uh, we talk about diversity in a big way and diversity of thought. Uh, what I hear you say is that you've designed the team or you've built a team which is complementary by design. Each of your team members complements you and you bring purpose and human impact and they bring technology focus, et cetera. And that comes together as a magical whole, which is brilliant. I mean, that, that is something which all of us should take away is that how do you build complementary uh, thoughts uh, between each other and between your teams. And the second thing, which was your answer to your previous question, I would humbly request you is that this resume design, what did you call it? Resume-driven development. <laughs> Please write a blog post on that one because that will be very, very fascinating. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a term. It's a, it's a quoted term. Like, let's, I think to me, to me, to me, like, transparent, I, what I said was I learned that from one of my leaders, right? And I'm actually going to ask Gihan to write that. So I'm actually probably going to ask Gihan to write that one. Absolutely. And, and for leaders who are, you know, starting their careers or, or people who are starting their careers as well as the top end of their careers, I mean, it's, it's uh, applicable. How do you stay away from shiny objects? How do you deliver mm -hmm. purpose? But you know, I'm going to change gears a bit again. Uh, you're an avid reader. Both of us, Gaurav and I, are avid readers as well. Um, what's, what's top of your reading list right now and what have you learned from it? Um, <laughs> lots, <laughs> uh, lots and lots of uh, books are on my reading list. So um, what I can... I can tell you is 
um, I'm, I, I look for books that um, break uh, are what I think of as frame breakers, right? We talked about sapiens mm -hmm. earlier, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm, I have this belief that we all live in partial information. So mm -hmm. there's always more information to be had, right? And, and sort of, so, so there's sort of your glow seeking uh, more knowledge, more information. And sometimes you do that by actually uh, through people, surrounding yourself with people because they bring uh, varied experiences and, and that knowledge. And sometimes you get it through books. And so, so Sapiens was one of those books. Another book that I read recently was Think Again. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you've heard of the book, but again, the, the book is a be beautiful book in terms of sort of uh, talks about uh, this, this idea that a lot of times we get so trained to operate a certain way our, um, and think again really talks about when, what, how we are, we are gotten so used to thinking about doesn't actually work for us. We have to rethink and take a completely different approach, right? And, um, and so, so I highly encourage people to go read that book um, because it, it's, it's a reminder that what you have learned and what you sort of built all your muscles around uh, sometimes just fails you. Um, actually, the book starts with uh, talking about these fire, uh, firemen, people who go in to, you know, um, fires, uh, forest fires, and, and uh, they, they get sort of dropped into a forest fire. And um, it, it talks about this group of people who get dropped into a forest fire. And within 15 minutes, they realize that there was no way they were going to be able to stop the fire. And so they have to escape. And 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 then they start running, but they're running up the hill. Um, and and then one of the the leaders of the group real, just suddenly stops in the middle and and drops all his gear and starts lighting a small fire of his own around himself uh, to sort of start burning the shrubs around him. Um, but the other guys think that he's crazy and they keep running. Um, it turns out he's the only one that survives. And I'm not going to tell you all of the story, but um, it's it's a wonderful book. Um, I encourage people to read it. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating. And uh, books has been uh, always a topic. Uh, you and I talk about. Um, you and I talk about it all the time. So, and what you said there about the learning mindset that there's always more that you can actually gather and. Books are a wonderful source of that. Uh, so no wonder your reading list is always full. Uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll switch gears a little bit. Uh, we know you're a sports enthusiast as well. Uh, Arjun and I are huge sports enthusiasts. Anybody who follows us at Ventures knows that we preach uh, that uh, there is a lot that can be applied from sports towards uh, building winning teams in organizations, etc., uh, so, would like love to hear your views around that, uh, Prerith. I know you follow team sports like cricket, NFL. So, oh, yeah. your views around that? Uh... Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I I always say this, uh, which is business is a team sport, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually um, <laughs> some, sometimes my I think sometimes I have to apologize to my team saying, hey, I use sports analogy way too much. So, <laughs> <laughs> please excuse me. Yep. But I truly believe of business as a team sport. And, and what that, there are a few things that sort of, as soon as you kind of make that connection, you realize a few things about, about business and the context of sports. So you can learn a lot from sports, right? I, 
I'm a big Seahawks fan, of course, being a Seattle. Uh, yeah, now I would consider myself a Seattle native, <laughs> having been there for 30 years, um, nearly 30 years. So, um, you know, Pete Carroll, who's the coach of um, Seahawks, is, is I often use him as an example of, um, you know, creating those complements. We talked about creating that complementary team, right? Everybody brings unique set of skills and how do you use – everybody can't be a quarterback on a team, right? You need – you, you need an O-line to uh, protect the quarterback. You need the wide receivers. Uh, you need deep trust in the team. You need trust across defense and offense because if the defense doesn't bring the ball back to you, right, mm-hmm. the offense can't succeed. Um, and you can, say, you can see that in cricket as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, you, you can't all just be a batsman. You need a, you <laughs> need a, a strong bowling uh, support as well, right? It's sort of the equivalent of the defense like even fielding and saving runs matter because then that sort of helps your uh, how when you do go to go to bat how you're gonna um, uh, like lower the total the better shot you have of winning mm-hmm. um, and uh, all of those things apply uh, when it comes to uh, business as well so um, one of the uh, we were earlier talking about uh, this book that Jim Lore is one of the guys um, that uh, taught me about this idea of uh, you know, he was a coach to Chris Everett um, in the tennis space. Like people don't think of tennis as a team sport. And tennis is very much, I think we were talking about how tennis has become a team sport um, mm-hmm. over the years. And, and the entire team matters, right? Uh, the player on, uh, on the court is only in the representation of the team. Um, and much of the game gets played uh, in the time between the points. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 yeah, I, I think there's a lot we can learn from sports and, uh, and winning teams uh, when, it, when it comes to applying it to business and, and product. This has been a fascinating conversation, honestly. Uh, everything that we talked about is pretty much it, uh, is totally aligned with the Venturi's mindset that Arjun have been trying to drive. We could probably keep, uh, and you and I keep talking anyway all the time. Uh, so uh, I'm sure all three of us can keep talking. This podcast could go on for hours. However, <laughs> we will <laughs> close it out uh, at this stage. Uh, really appreciate your time, Pradit, and uh, joining us today. Uh, thank you very much. I'm sure you sense that we could have continued that conversation with Pradit for a few more hours and would not have run out of interesting topics to talk about. However, in keeping with our theme, this concludes our two-part conversation with Prerith. Stay tuned for more insightful conversations with industry leaders in future episodes of The Venturi Stories.